two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by one of my favorite state representatives from right here in Michigan. He is a man who falls into the category of vaccine injured after the COVID vaccine. But before we get into all of that, first, I want to tell you about American financing. It's 2024, and a lot of us are trying to get our finances in order, and there's some great news for homeowners. Interest rates have dropped and are now in the fives, a lot lower than they were last year. And if you've been buried in high-interest credit card debt, now is the time to break free. American financing can help you access cash in your home to pay off your high-interest debt. Last year, their salary-based mortgage consultants helped customers save an average of $854 a month. That's like giving yourself a $10,000 raise. What a great way to start the new year. And if you start today, you may be able to delay two full mortgage payments. Call American Financing today, 866-890-9313. That's 866-890-9313. AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182334, APR for rates in the fives start at 6.406% for well-qualified borrowers. Call 866-890-9313 for details about credit costs and terms. Now let's welcome Michigan State Representative Brad Paquette. Brad, welcome. Hey, thanks, Tudor. I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, there's a, a lot of important things to talk about, sharing my story. I think is very important, um, especially because it is so outrageous. Um, but I can just kick it off if you'd like. Just jump into it if you. If you if yeah, like I would love that. I mean, I want to just quickly say, Brad, you were one of the people, the first people to sit with me, talk to me when I was running for office. You, I think, are one of the most dedicated guys out there. Having been a teacher, being so dedicated to children. I just want people to know that your background and who you are is very genuine. And so when I actually, when I got the call that this happened to you, I was completely floored. And I think we were all completely floored. And then to find out that this was connected to the vaccine. All right, go ahead. Tell the story. 
Yeah, I actually recollect when you texted me, I was laying in the hospital bed there. It was actually close to my birthday. But one of the things when I, my wife and I have been reflecting on this a lot lately, because seeing it from her perspective, it was pretty traumatizing. But we uh, we were going to travel, uh, Sydney and I, and we were actually going to go on the Israel trip, uh, the legislative Israel trip. And so I had to get vaccinated for that. And so I went to Walmart. I got the Moderna vaccine. The first vaccine had no issue. The second one I got on um, yeah November of 2021. And I had piercing heart pain the next day. I was actually at a fundraiser in Lansing and I had to sit down. I was sweating and it was just the worst pain that I had felt ever. Uh, never had that type of pain before. And so it went away after a couple of minutes, which was kind of scary. Uh, I told my wife about it. And then she's like, okay, well, let's see if it happens again. It kept on reoccurring, coming back, not as painful as the first time uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, so Sydney pushed me to go to the doctor. I did not want to, um, but I did. <laughs> well, I said, what a shock. I mean, no, I don't want to call you out, but you are a guy. Yep, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's strong enough. So uh, I ended up going. Um, and yeah, I was 33 years old at the time. And the doctor, I, I kept asking because I was like, is this related to the vaccine? Is it you know, myocarditis? Talk to me. Um, and he's like, well, if it's myocarditis, we wouldn't know. Um, we wouldn't have anything to do to treat it. And I was like, well, I, I have piercing heart pain right at the day after. Uh, you know, it's got to be right. Like, well, I don't know. And so I had an irregular heartbeat as well, he said, which in my 33 years of living, I've never heard that before. Uh, and he said, yeah, well, this should just go away on its own. You're healthy. You play ice hockey. You, you should be fine. And so, and just to be clear, for people who are just listening to this, you are very healthy. You are a guy who was very active, in good shape. This is not like someone that you go, okay, well, I can sort of see maybe there were some other other underlying factors there. You were a healthy thirty three. Yeah, and he did the EKG. They did a blood test. It all checked out. They, he said I was fine. I'm like, all right, sounds good. You're the doctor. And, you know, with those questions, though, I kept on asking those questions. I, I wanted to make sure that he put it in the record there, because one thing I was curious about was kind of how they track data around adverse reactions, too. So, you know, a lot of this, I do believe, you know, just to step away from a second, that a lot of this happened for a very specific reason. I'm alive for a very specific reason. And like, God does things, in my in my estimation, to, to teach us some lessons sometimes and to, mm, to show oh, us yes. you know, what we're meant to do. Uh, so yeah, this, this battle is definitely one that I have first, firsthand experience on. So, uh, after that, I went home and a couple of months later, I was actually playing a Sunday night ice hockey game. I got back home. Um, it was five days after my baby Lincoln was born, my boy, and, um, got home. It was around like 1130 PM and I just had this vacuum feeling in my chest. Mm. And so took a shower, put my hands above my head, just kept getting worse. So Sydney. Uh, told me that we had to go to the ER, even with our five-day-old baby. Thank goodness for her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, uh, she's a peach. Um, so we went. This, this is the clear difference in gender. I mean, <laughs> this is if anything tells us there's a difference in gender, this is it. Yeah. Well, we can talk about <laughs> that too later on down the road. Uh, but uh, for sure. So we get to the ER, and I'm like, oh, it's starting to get better. Wanting to go back home. Yeah, you know, like baby's five days old. We shouldn't be doing this. We go in there. Um, they took my blood pressure, and my blood pressure was 220 over 180. Um, oh, they did another what? EKG, and they said, okay, they sent me back to the waiting room. <laughs> and I was like, okay, worst pain. I'm sweating. And Sydney's like, no, he needs to go in now. So they bring me in the back, and I'm just terrible pain. And I'm there for a couple hours. And these guys, like, I'm in scrubs right after hockey and everything. And, you know, my wife is in scrubs, five-day-old baby. And the doctors were 
Uh, they gave me some morphine and they thought I was on drugs because the pain yeah. didn't go away with morphine. And I was sitting there still struggling. And they, the doctor came out, the ER doc, he's like, yeah, we got some bets on you, man. We think you might be on something. Um, and they're betting beers in the back. And he told us this. And so it, it's, it's, it's alarming. Um, but there was a nurse who was down there and I, I never got her name. <sighs> but she was down there and she actually um, said, let's give him some uh, nitroglycerin. And so they gave me some nitroglycerin and that actually made it feel better. It helped. Uh, so they realized that I should probably be in the cardiac unit. So they sent me up to the cardiac unit and I'm there. I'm speaking to the cardiologist. I'm asking the question, is this related to the vaccine? I was in the doctor with piercing heart pain. Now I've got something going on again. What's happening? Um, they did a heart echo and there's this traveling nurse there. Her name was Chris. And he looks at the heart echo. He's like, this looks all right. This looks good. And But the, the traveling nurse, Chris, she says, and she stayed with me for the next couple of days talking to me. Godsend. She's a godsend. But she said, hey, look a little bit closer here. And she pointed to like my septum or something. And he's like, well, maybe we should do a heart catheter procedure. And so they end up doing the procedure and they put dye in your veins. They can see everything that's going on uh, in your heart. And I'm on the table and I'm, I'm conscious and, you know, I'm awake. And he's like, holy crap. And there's a blood clot in my left atrium. And or a part of my heart that it shouldn't be left uh, left uh, yeah left atrium where it shouldn't be, and it's blocking ninety five percent of my my coronal artery. Wow! And so he goes out to my wife after he removes most of it, and he goes up to my wife. He's like, "Yeah, your 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 uh, husband would have died if he wasn't in here. He would have died." And tells Sydney that obviously she's a wreck. So you know we've been recollecting a lot of that, but. So I, I go out afterward. My whole family is in, the, in the, the, the doctor's room right after this procedure. I'm like, grateful for that. My question goes into, well, was this related to the vaccine? Because I, I came in, checked my chart. I came in, I was asking you about this. And they're like, no, couldn't have been the vaccine. Couldn't have been. No, of course not. <laughs> Why would you say that? And I ended up actually switching my cardiologist because of this, because the way I went, it was a circular reason. I, I'm just like, I asked them this question. Because I, I have all these different the hematologists came in, all these different folks. And I'm asking like, is this isn't related at all to the vaccine? It couldn't be. And so they ended up seeding that, yeah, I probably had myocarditis from when I first went in, inflammation of the heart. And so I asked From them, the vaccine. Yes. And so, well, I went to Mayo Clinic as well, and they confirmed that as well, is that when I first had those issues after that, it was most likely myocarditis. And so they confirmed that. And then my doctor, cardiologist, uh, confirmed it as well. But so I asked them while I was in there, and this is, you know, right after, again, my my five, six day old babies there. This is right before my, my birthday, 34th birthday. And so I'm asking um, them, I'm saying, Hey, can inflammation of the heart or an irregular heartbeat cause a blood clot in the heart? And they say, yes. I say, can the vaccine cause inflammation of the heart? And they say, yes. Could the vaccine have caused this heart attack? Oh no, no, it couldn't have been. So this was originally as I was, I was asking them and I, I had to switch my cardiologist. And it was on uh, the behest of the, the nurse, Chris, because they were telling me, because I was asking all sorts of questions about this. And they're telling me they're seeing all these younger people in the cardiac unit, all these issues that are happening. And I get my cardiologist. He comes in and he's entertaining my conversation. And he's talking about this. He's like, yeah, we're seeing some different things here. It's, it's kind of strange. And I'm like, could it be vaccine related? He's like, yeah, probably it could be. Um, a lot of them say it could mm -hmm. be just COVID infection, which whatever. I had COVID back in 2020 of February or March of 2020 when things first started shutting down. That's when I had it. It was, you know, it was rough. Hadn't had it since then. I get tested regularly. My uh, wife's um, uh, stepfather is, you know, he's 
PBM representative. So I, whenever we go over to their house and stuff, they make us test all this stuff. And so I hadn't had COVID recently. Um, but that's what people say is that this is probably related to COVID. And I'm like, no, I had piercing heart pain right after this vaccine. And so I start telling my story and people just, they'll come at you hard, viciously and say, oh yeah, "Yeah, you're lying, rabble, rabble. I'm like, what are you doing? So if I didn't have this heart attack and this is the problem, I filed my VAERS report, my vaccine injury. I, I put that in, you know, they put in my, my Moderna shot and the day I took it, all the, all the details of my, uh, my chart and hadn't heard back from the federal government yet. This has been like a year, almost and a half that I filed that report. And a lot of other people probably had some issues, maybe not as intense as mine, whether it be just myocarditis or, you know, other irregular heartbeats and like other types of issues that they had that doctors probably pawned off and said, oh, it's stress or you have anxiety, you know, it could have been whatever. And and we're not gathering any of that data. And to the contrary, I think a lot of doctors who bought this narrative hook, line and sinker don't want to highlight the fact that these vaccines that they push, these shots, they aren't even technically vaccines, they're shots, are harming people. And so I've got two other colleagues in the Michigan House, too, that had heart attacks after they got the shot. And they had very similar experiences with their doctors. Their doctors Were they actually, Moderna also? Um, whereas one was a Pfizer and the other one was Moderna. Um, and so Rep Borton and Rep Roth, they actually, we, we, and so we, we came up with a package of bills after this, but we talked about our stories. And they're very similar, but their doctors were very more forthright saying, yeah, this is the vaccine that caused this heart attack for you, but I can't say it publicly, they say. Because a lot of these that guys are crazy. I mean, that how often do we have to hear that? And why? Why can't why would we allow this to continue? Why are they still having people get vaccinated if they know that? Oh, I know. And that's why. So my my biggest mistake I've made in the legislature is that I voted for funding back in 2020, uh, one like at the end of the budget there, supplemental to help supply the vaccine. If people wanted to get it, they wanted to get the shot, it should be allowed for them. So I, I voted for that. Um, and now I think that that's a huge regret because a lot of these taxpayer dollars too, you still see all the advertisements on Hulu or wherever for kids six months and up. Now I'm chirping on X here about CDC saying, Oh, everyone needs to get these shots, update your shots. And it's like the public is, you know, they're, they're fed up with this. And I, I'll sit out with constituents having coffee and I'll be speaking. And obviously my voice is a little bit louder. So it carries and people will come up to me and they'll be like, Hey, I had some issues as well. And my doctor shrugged it off. And I, I hear that pretty constantly when I'm out out and among constituents in the public. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, we've had students at school with strange blood clot incidences and no one knows. And I think that the real issue is because you're not allowed to talk about it and because it doesn't get studied. We really don't know. Is it COVID? Is it the vaccine? How many cases of people having this without having the vaccine? That's what I would like to know. How many people that had COVID had a heart issue that did not have the vaccine? Like how, how can we not? I know there's a way of studying this, but no one's willing to do it. And why? Because it would be a catastrophic result? I don't think people want to apologize, especially when you look in the public eye. Yet, the science, right? Science is about applying rigorous skepticism to observations of things. Okay, let's admit this was rolled out pretty hastily. There were a lot of issues, you know, the, the, the confirmation of this lab leak there. I got to meet so many amazing people who were calling some of this stuff out pretty early on. You know, people that put their reputations on the line to, to talk about this issue. They got fired. They've getting removed mm-hmm. from, you know, board certifications, cardiologists and folks that, you know, have reached out all around the state and the, the nation, which is amazing. But To really admit or to gather the data that would point out, yeah, this was a a huge mess up would would take, you know, it'd take some people down. And And you've tried to inquire with the pharmaceutical companies, correct? Yeah. So I've been really tailoring my eye to a lot of this and yeah, with Pfizer. So being in the Michigan house, I have access to a lot of interesting people where I can get questions, answers right, right for my constituents. And so the Pfizer government affairs folks, um, I got the number of Kevin Orr. He's their government affairs person in this region. And I was on a, a Zoom with a bunch of them, and that they were saying, we'll get you any answer you want, you know, vaccine injury, the way the product is created, and things along those lines. And so after the Project Veritas video dropped about Jordan Walker, and he was talking about gain-of-function research and how they're doing some Frankenstein science there, I just asked, did this guy actually work for you? So I called him up, I left him a voicemail, and then he blocked me. <laughs> and he, he blocked me, and then they, have, they sent us an email saying they'd get us uh, any answer they want to my office. And so we... we inquired of them and say, hey, we, are you going to still answer this? They said they're compiling the answers. And they, this has been like 
since February. So he blocked my phone number and then hasn't responded uh, to my office's inquiry. So it's like these people are that powerful that they don't Seriously. even Seriously. I mean, we're talking about going on a year now. You haven't heard back from them. And the fact that he could he could block a state representative who is inquiring. And what does that mean? That really means that they believe they are above the law, that they do not answer to anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where I, that's how I've gotten really energized around this. And again, it takes a lot, a coalition of people to, to, to stand up against some of these folks and to call them out because they just don't care. Like that's what that's what real power does is just they just don't care. I, that's exactly right. And I think that you are in an interesting position in Michigan now because you were the majority party. You are now the minority party. These yep. are the people who don't want you to know, the people that are in power now. I mean, they are defenders of the pharmaceutical companies. And I don't know if that's a financial decision that they make. I don't know why they are so adamant that they don't want to press for the research. Because really, even if something didn't happen to you, wouldn't you want to have the same information that every other vaccine has coming out, all of the other data is released. Wouldn't you say, well, wait a minute, if we've had some questions, we should have all of, all of this information released. But the majority party in Michigan is not pushing for that. Have they been helpful to you at all? Well, you're talking about science there. And, you know, yeah. the narrative is, is the science, right? So we're talking about the science that we don't ask those types of questions or, or inquire That's there. Such a good point. Um, yeah, and so I, I do think so. We we they passed some legislation to remove liabilities from pharmaceutical companies, but um, so I, I think that that they have a lot of constituents. I'm positive they have a lot of constituents that are reaching out. I know some of them. They they've reached out to me and said, "Hey, my rep is this," and I'm like, "Well, talk to them. Share your story of your vaccine injury, and you know, all around the state." And so they passed some legislation that removes liabilities, but not around the COVID shots. You know, so there was a federal law. 2005, I think it was uh, put into place that allowed this immunity um, for Pfizer and Moderna to be able to use yeah. their experimental drug and have no ramifications. And so there's a fund that they'll point you to saying, hey, the government has a fund for vaccine injury, and that's through VAERS. And, you know, the people aren't getting responses from that at, at all either. So more people are talking about this because most people know someone that was injured or they've been injured themselves, or they're starting to actually ask questions. And the thing that I saw that really got me motivated again is when you ask a question and people just completely shut it down. And even the folks at Mayo Clinic when I was there, they're like, we have no idea. They did all these blood tests. I have no underlying conditions. They're like, you're a unicorn case. And I'm like, well, mm. no, could it be the vaccine? Then they're like, but right. no, it couldn't be for the heart attack. Because myocarditis, yes. But they say because it was months after, the heart attack couldn't have been the vaccine. And I'm like, man, that's just, that's beyond me because like, this is a novel mRNA platform, hasn't been used before, but people are certain that it isn't causing these adverse reactions. I, that's just, that raises red flags. And I think the average American just is kind of fed up about that because you can't even hide behind those answers anymore. Well, it used to be I would walk into my doctor's office and they would really be pushing the COVID vaccine. And I was just there a week ago. And I don't know if it's just like they know who I am. <laughs> and they're like, we're not even going to push, you know. But she held up the paper and she was like, OK, so you are eligible for a COVID vaccine. And I just looked at her and she's like, I'm going to set this here. So 
I, I think that she just was like, yeah, she's not going to do it. But the same thing with the pediatricians. I mean, my pediatrician will say she at the at the beginning, she was adamant, like they have to have the, the vaccine. They have to have it. They have to have it. And I was like, we went through in great detail. Tell me why. Tell me why you think. And I never got the girls vaccinated because I could not see that, first of all, it would prevent COVID. And secondly, that they needed to prevent COVID more, that they needed to take another risk to prevent that from happening. And I yeah. think if you look at what the Texas attorney general is doing right now is, you know, his workaround is, well, hey, you told us that this would prevent COVID. You, you lied. Your advertising lied. And the crazy thing is that in the United States, and this is something that we've talked about a lot, is that these pharmaceutical companies can advertise directly to you. And it is very manipulative advertising. I mean, the COVID vaccine advertising was like shame advertising. You have to protect your neighbors. Never saying you actually can get COVID and likely will get COVID if you take this. That, as you pointed out, is a shot and not a vaccine. Yeah. And then you see some of these European countries, they have so many excess shots, they're throwing them away and they're dumping them in billions. And they didn't. Dollars. And they also said, we're actually going to stop telling young men to take this vaccine, which I think is also interesting because European countries have come to the conclusion that this is dangerous. Uh, you, case in point, are a situation that they would say, well, this shouldn't happen. They've stopped asking young men to take the vaccine. But in the United States, that has not stopped happening. Why? Because I think they'd have to admit mistake, right? And that's that's the outlandish part about this. And so even so, the CDC and you know, Mayo Clinic and all these websites, they have oh, can cause myocarditis and can you know, can have these adverse reactions in rare circumstances. They say, well, what are we doing for these rare circumstances in the first place? If they are rare, what are we doing for them? And I, I just there are crickets. I just and is that worth? The, the supposed protection that you're getting. And I say supposed protection because I have had friends who've gotten the vaccine and just weeks later had COVID. And I know that they were saying, well, at the beginning, this is really reducing the symptoms. But now, so I mean, my daughter had COVID a few weeks ago. And the only reason I knew she had COVID was because her friend called us and said, hey, we have COVID in our house just to let you know. We tested her. She had a sore throat. That was it. That yeah. was all, you know, this is like, why would I give her a vaccine that I don't know what the effects are going to be because she might get a sore throat and yet it's still being pushed on us. No doubt. And that's why I think there's an emphasis then on our rights as well. And there's a, a revival. So in a way, I think there's a silver lining because enough people are beginning to, to wake up, realize how important the First Amendment is and being able to speak freely because now you've got all these different folks being censored. You got big right. tech. Like I get shadow banned on Facebook for various reasons just talking about these issues and now you know in a good way people are starting to realize whoa that's that's pretty problematic that all these folks are rushing to the aid of big pharma i can't believe how some of my constituents will come at me and they have the back of pfizer and all these billionaires oh I know. Like, since when are you just a a, a shill for big pharma like especially these folks in the left who used to be you know rage against the machine now it's like Hey, let's do what we're told. I just but that's what I mean about companies being to able to advertise to you because advertising is just getting into someone's mind. I mean, if we are being honest, marketers are brainwashers, right? They try to make you believe this is the best product. You need to have it. You need to change what you're doing. Go out and buy this. And that's their their geniuses at this. This is what they do. 
in other countries, you are not allowed to advertise pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Doesn't that seem, doesn't that seem like, man, if, a, if you weren't advertising, a lot fewer people would be going, oh, you've got to get this. Yeah. No, without a doubt. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And that's, that's why, you know, my prayer and my hope, especially with regard to civics and active citizenship is you know, enough people are starting to come out of the woodwork and, and talk about this, especially folks that are very competent and they're able to start asking questions. And then when they ask those questions and they get some of these shoddy answers, you know, it starts to build that energy up again. And that's, that's key in all of this. And I, I, we're seeing an outpouring of that um, all around the nation. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So there's a lot more that I want to talk to you about. We just have a few more minutes left, but I, before I do let you go, I want to go through for a little bit. You've talked about reducing the time the legislature is in session, and right now, we have the the majority party. They ended session early, so they obviously think that 
they don't need to be in session for as long as they had been historically. That can save taxpayer dollars if we were to go to a part-time legislature. I think it also is key for people to think about if you live in a state where you have a full-time legislature, you're like, oh my goodness, how could we ever go to a part-time? But do you need somebody that is constantly introducing new laws and new bills and passing new laws constantly? And I would argue that there's a reason you can call a special session if you are the governor and you have an urgent issue that needs to be looked at. But look at the bills that we are constantly passing in Michigan. Is this necessary? No, you really, I think you highlight a great point because we just established and showed that we can get a lot of work done. You know, I, I voted no on the vast majority of this work, um, which wasn't really made Thank by you. <laughs> But it, but it wasn't made by legislators. It was made by lobbyists. And then you know, legislators are given their bill and they walk around with their pen and like, yes, I get my public act. And, you know, great. I put out my press release. I, I fixed the world. And, yeah, that, what you, you point out there is, 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 is very important because the less time, especially with Proposal 1, it allows representatives in the House to be there 12 years max. And so there's more stability in the House. What we saw was six years, you get there first term, two years, you learn in the ropes. Second term, you want to go to leadership. Third term, try to be speaker, and then you're termed out. And all the institutional knowledge that you learn goes with you. So the House was just kind of a revolving door of people leaving. But 12 years, it provides more stability there. So you see all these bills, you know all the lobbyists that are pushing the bills. You've seen them before. You probably know how you're going to vote or speak out against them or try to change them. And it allows then less time to actually be in Lansing. And so they just passed a whole bunch of mediocre, just bare minimum transparency laws as well that went along with this proposal one that you've got prior speakers and there were Republican ones that did some shady stuff back in the day. Like Lee Chaffield, I opposed that guy tooth and nail, was doing some really, really terrible things. And we didn't pass any ethics reform or transparency laws that would kind of shed a light on what this guy was doing. And people wanted to be like him. And they still can. So because it was a very lavish lifestyle that he lived. I mean, if we are being honest about, like you said, on both sides, there's a lot of corruption. I think Michigan has a unusually high amount. Yeah. And that's partly due to a full-time legislature because, and this is the thing that kind of bothers me is I write all my own speeches. I think dialogue and debate on the floor is key. We're fighting to even be allowed to have debates on the floor or speeches. I'm, I'm like allowed to give one speech now, you know, per session day. But most people just want to go have dinner and get their steaks and stuff and free drinks. It's like our job, you know, I, I'm okay being there till 2 a.m. voting because then it's less time to go out and you know, get your vote taken for a bowl of stew or whatever type of porterhouse steak you'd like. Like the more time people spend there, the more time mm. that they are yep. going to be delving into that culture, and then also being becoming compromised. Because a guy like Lee, what I saw, we were going to do a motion to vacate on him when he wasn't opposing the governor's orders because that guy was compromised. If That's he was interesting. On the executive, yeah, the, the, the lockdown orders and the executive orders, Whitmer's, he would have gotten, you know, highlighted as all the bad things. So he, he didn't want to file a lawsuit to um, overturn those orders. So we were going to remove him as speaker so we could do that. There were 12 of us. Um, that was my first term. And this guy was that compromised. And that's what a lot of the lobby corps wants is they want people who are compromised and insecure because then they can bend them to vote for whatever type of corporate welfare, whatever nonsense that they want to pass. And there, there's got to be a, a shift in the, the, I guess, the balance of power there in, in Lansing. And I, I think there's an opportunity and there's a bipartisan press 
um, for a lot of these ethics reforms, maybe part-time legislature, because something has to happen and people are disillusioned with their, their state legislators. And that's, you know, as I was running, I kept hearing all these stories of there was a very close relationship there with the governor. And there was question as to exactly what the situation was that was going on there. I just think that, you know, we come off of this story that we're hearing out of the Senate in the U S Senate in Washington, DC. And I'm listening to the news this morning and they're like, I called somebody and said, how could this be? And they said, you probably don't want to know what goes on in our government buildings in Washington, D.C. And I, I got to tell you, when I first went to Lansing, it's like everybody's partying. Everybody's talking about who they're going home with. I mean, when did government become a place of dishonor and corruption instead of a place that was an honorable place to go and a position that you held because you were a respectable person? And I, I respect exactly what you're saying. I think that like for me, I, when I would go campaigning, everybody would joke that when the day was done, I didn't go out. I went back to my room and got ready for the next day if we were out of town. But that's how I've been my entire business career. So to me, to go and see that this is how the people that represent my area behave, that they're constantly going out on both sides of the aisle and fighting in the chamber and then going out and drinking together in the evening and it's it's kind of shocking. I mean, I'm not a, opposed to people being friends and getting together, but but you're making a point that they're using funds, they're being schmoozed, they're being manipulated, and your vote for that person is being influenced by money yeah. across the state. Well, you know, to, to highlight that and just to reemphasize too is that you know because yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine going out having an old fashioned, hanging out with buddies. You know, having really intense conversations, do that all the time with some of my colleagues. And, you know, I, I relish those times when I do stay in Lansing now to, to, to do that and to, to talk about whatever type of philosophy and debate, debate policy. So that's, that's definitely an element. What I'm kind of highlighting is that the lobby corps would like, they like, they want individuals compromised in, in compromising situations. So they make mistakes. Yes. And that's something that happened immensely with Lee to the point that. They wanted to exalt him and others like him because they're compromised. All they have to say is, hey, well, you know, remember that one time or, you know, we've got this photo or whatever type of thing when legislators fall into that, especially. In, and I'll, I'll, I'll pick on believers. I'm a believer and a lot of believers want to hide their sin and yeah. they are mm. easily compromised because they're the most one willing to say, hey, I'm shiny, squeaky clean, haven't done anything mm. wrong. And those are the individuals that we need to raise an eyebrow to sometimes because if you have no issue, you apologize for nothing, you've done nothing wrong, then you probably are, are compromised individuals. So, I mean, that's a conversation that we've had quite a bit recently, just the idea that believers, the church is a place for sick people, not perfect people. And, and I can see that. I mean, it is very hard. And I think that your solution of reducing the time there is, is really important. A perfect. I mean, if you look at Texas, what they meet every two years and they meet for like six months. Why do we need to have a full time legislature? So I agree with you. There's so much more. Like I said, there's so much more that I want to get into with you. So I'd love to have you back and we can talk more about this. But thank you so much for sharing your story, because I think a lot of people have felt like, man, I think something happened to me and they're not sure. And it's good for folks to hear that you were brave and you went out there and, and you're talking about it. Yeah, we're well, tracking down answers to a lot of that because, yeah, it's it's pressing when you're like, well, what, what could have this have been? And this is impacting my life. So, yeah, I have a lot of constituents that I get to fellowship with now, a lot of people all around the state. 
And yeah, if anyone's watching this and feels that way, please reach out. I fellowshipping around that issue, especially the injuries and and getting shrugged to the side is doesn't feel good. But there are a lot of people that have been in that same boat. And yeah, I appreciate you having me on and yeah, taking the time. Love to love to follow up with you. Grateful for all the work that you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Representative Brad Paquette from here in Michigan. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast for this episode and others. Go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.